0: Hi, everybody. This is Pastor Tim from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire. This is our weekly podcast of the sermon from the prior Sunday. Normally, at this time, I have invited everybody to join us for worship at eight thirty and eleven uh, but right now we 're in the midst of the global pandemic, and so we are not having worship in our building at eight thirty and eleven Instead, you can find us online doing virtual worship using Zoom. You can find the information for all of that on our website at www.htelc.com. You can also like us on Facebook. And uh, those are the two primary ways in which to find our links to have worship with us. So it doesn't matter where you are, as long as you have an internet connection, you can join us for worship. So thank you for listening. We hope that you find the sermon meaningful and purposeful, that it connects to your life and how you interact with the world. And most of all, it reveals God's infinite love for you and all of creation. The gospel reading comes from Mark, the 18th chapter 1, or 16th chapter, verses 1 through 8. I did record it, but I'm going to read it for us now. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and James and Salome, bought spices, so that they may go and anoint Jesus' body. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But Jesus said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement has seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The gospel of the Lord, the word of God for the people of God. So, our sermon, I did record one, but I thought uh, try and make it maybe a little more personal this morning and speak uh, and do the sermon this way. So, I honestly, Will, I know you're a teacher. If we have other teachers out there they have to do this on a regular basis, I don't know. It, it's so hard to teach. Um, or to speak to a group and not really have that kind of interaction. But we're going to give it a shot and see how it goes. This is Mark's gospel. And it isn't, I mean, while it is your traditional gospel reading, right, the tomb is empty. It doesn't always end the way that you think it would end. Because here during this one, the women at the tomb are told to go and tell the disciples that Jesus will meet ahead of them in Galilee. And do they go and tell the disciples according to this? They don't. Instead, it, sends, it says, They told no one, for they were terrified and amazed. The irony is, Mark's gospel, we've talked about this before over the last couple of years, has what is called the Messianic secret. What the Messianic secret is, is that there are uh, eight times in Mark's gospel in which Jesus does some kind of miraculous healing, or the transfiguration, and Jesus tells them to tell no one. The irony is, after Jesus tells them to tell no one, what do they do more times than not? They tell people, don't they? They actually (laughs) disobey Jesus, and they go and spread the word. In fact, on uh, one time after Jesus heals a deaf man, it says, the more sternly he ordered them not to tell, the more vehemently they actually go and tell. And now here at the end of Mark's gospel, the women are told, go and tell. And it says they did not tell anyone. Why would they not tell anyone? So here's my question for you. How many people like talking about something you don't know anything about? Nobody does, right? Uh, Dennis, you really like talking about something that you don't like talking about? Oh, <laughs> See, I can see you guys. Nobody likes doing that. And I think that's what's going on with the women at the tomb. They do not know what's going on. It's not even that messiahs were... Uh, supposed to be raised from the dead. Nobody was expecting that. The Messiah wasn't even supposed to die to begin with. So they already didn't know what was going on. And now for the tomb to be empty, it's kind of compounded even more so. And so I think they don't even know what this means. So how are they supposed to go and describe or explain something that they don't fully understand? And I think that continues on with us. If you are asked... You know, what does it mean that Jesus raised from the dead? I think the typical answer we will give is that we get to go to heaven when we die. But really, in reality, the Bible talks very little about life after death. And the vast majority of the Bible is about life before death. But we don't fully understand what that means or what that looks like. And so most of us are not very comfortable talking about what our faith means or what it means that Christ is raised from the tomb or that Christ is raised from the dead and that the tomb is empty. Instead, we treat it more as a question. Do you know, right? I can get the right answer on the test, but we don't really know what it means. So what I hope to do is give us some idea about what it actually means, not just know what the correct answer is. I have a book in front of me. Do You guys know what this book is? All right, on the count of three, we're all gonna say the answer, even though you won't be able to hear everybody. One, two, three. Some of you, your lips didn't move. You didn't answer it. I can see you. All right, do we need to try this again? No, it's okay. (laughs) It's the Bible. Now, there's a lot of different books in the Bible. The Bible is actually not one book. It's many books. If you speak Spanish, the uh, word for library is uh, like biblioteca, which is where we get like Bible from. It's many books in it. Many different types of books. You have literature. You have poetry. You have hymns. You have history. Um. And so the Bible has all of things in it. And if you look at it, let's see if I can get this about right. The vast majority of it, this much is the Old Testament, right? And what this says, this is about God and God's people, how they're freed from Egypt, settled in the promised land, and try to figure out what it looks like, to be called to be a blessing to others as they settle in this promised land. The things they get right, the things they get wrong, but it's that kind of thing. God's promises, I will always be with them, and the people trying to live that way. Then we get the next section, the Gospels. On the count of three, say how many gospels there are. One, two, three. Most of you, uh, okay, my mom hold up four number, four fingers. That counts as opposed to actually saying the number four. We'll count that. Right? This tells about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Four different accounts of it. Then we get what's called the epistles. This next part, it's uh, maybe. Fifteen books, a lot of them are attributed to Paul. These are mainly letters written from one person or one community to another. And this is about a group of people that are trying to understand what does it mean that Jesus is raised from the dead, and what does it mean that I am a follower of Jesus. Then we get the last book of the Bible. This one here, it's Revelation, right? This says what happens at the very end. When Christ comes again, and it does it in a very confusing way because it uses the events of the time, Roman persecution, to talk about what's going to happen at the end. But it ends with very good words. Chapter 21 talks about a new heaven and a new earth. He will wipe every tear from their eye. Crying and death will be no more, right? God will be, I will be their God and they will be my people. But those are the different parts of the Bible. If you had to put yourself in here, right, there's a beginning and the end. Where do we put ourselves in the Bible? Do you know where we are? We are in, if this is Revelation, we are actually right here. It's not as if the Bible's written, the author closed it, right? And now we come afterwards. We are actually right here as a people, continuing on these early followers of Jesus, of wondering what does it mean that the tomb is empty for our lives today? We know the end of the story. We know what will ultimately occur, what lasts. Our job is to live like what is going to happen is already happening. Not that they're waiting for something to happen after we die. Rather, what is being started now? And I put it this way. How many people, you know, have a driveway that's concrete or asphalt or paved, right? How many people have a crack in that driveway? How many people in that crack in that driveway, there's something growing up through it? Think about it this way. Jesus, the tomb being empty not just like a weed growing through that crack, but imagine a rose growing through that crack, right? Christ Jesus is that rose that grows through that crack. So as followers of Jesus, we might think, is the world a cold, lifeless, dead place like this concrete? That's our ultimate reality. Or as followers of Jesus, is there something going on underneath it? Is there life really there that's threatening and trying to burst through? What is the ultimate reality? Is it this cold, lifeless concrete? Or is it life and beauty and goodness that someone, something is trying to suppress? And what Christ does, he breaks through that and says, this is what ultimate reality is. It's not this concrete that tries to suppress everything. Rather, it is goodness and beauty that will last. So the empty tomb gives us hope that this concrete layer will eventually be done away with, that it will ultimately be destroyed. And everything that is underneath will be allowed to burst forth, will be allowed to bloom, will be allowed to grow. We are not there yet but our hope is what is to come. Now, we're not meant to just to lie dormant and to wait for the concrete to be destroyed, but rather, we get to do the work of breaking through it as well. So as followers of Christ, we get asked, is the world this cold, lifeless place that is just suppressing everything? Or is something else going on underneath that we are asked to participate in, that we are asked to join in and to do the work of breaking free, of finding those cracks and coming through it, and inviting others to join us, right? It's not just what's going to happen in the future, right, when that concrete is ultimately destroyed, But rather, it's seen where Christ, being the first fruits of the resurrection, is already broken through to tell us what ultimately will happen. And we get to join in that now. That's what those early Christians are trying to figure out what that looks like, right? That's what that last book ultimately reveals. That in the end, all is restored. In the end, that concrete is done away with. And yet, we are now able to grow fully and wholly. And we struggle with that now, working toward it, trusting of what will eventually happen. So we aren't just waiting. Right, this isn't just like we've gone into hibernation and we're waiting for it to be all warm and now we're all going to come up, but rather we're being awoken now and asked to spring forth that Christ has already broken through and asked us to join, asked us to participate to do those things of what will ultimately last, that all of those cold, lifeless, evil, chaos, anger that tries to suppress it all, that will not prevail, as strong as it might seem. Because, man, has anybody turned on the news lately? Anybody feel like their spirits are lifted when you turn on the news And so it is so easy to think the ultimate reality of the world is just this oppressive, cold place that weighs us down. But the hope of the resurrection, Christ has broken through it to tell us it will all be destroyed. And to do our best to live that way today and to proclaim it. And so we proclaim to each other, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed, hallelujah, amen.